In our message, we will look at all women, but especially moms, through God's eyes. And we will see that he loves you not only when you feel like you are being successful, but he loves you all of the time because you are his dear child. Hi, my name is Dan Salofer. I'm pastor at Crosswalk Church in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd like to welcome you to our message. We are in the second week of a message called Worth It, and uh, all of these have to do with seeing other people through God's eyes. And this specifically is a Mother's Day message, and specifically seeing value in women, seeing, seeing the value that God has uh, for the women uh, through his eyes. And now, as, as we go through this message, you might think, well, Mother's Day, how much does this apply to you? Trust me, it does. And so I'll start it this way. And it is, have you ever said these words or heard these words? I am not your maid. I am not your chauffeur. Or I guess today it would be Uber driver. Um, I am not your personal cook. I am not your ATM. I am not your secretary. And those words, maybe they're said to you by your mom, or maybe they've been said by you as a mother to your children. And what those words kind of show, what, what's behind those words are all of those different things might be roles that a, a mom kind of plays for, for someone else, or maybe a dad for that matter. And what it shows, though, is that you get this feeling that this person is looking at me only to fill this role in their life. Otherwise, um, I have no value to them. And so today, as we look into God's word, we are going to see how God gives value to each and every one of us apart from the roles that we have. And so we're, we're going to look at that a little bit, to, to be able to separate the roles, the things that I do, uh, the everything from occupation to just being part of someone else's life. How do I separate those things that I do for other people with how God sees me? And so where we're going to start is all the way back at the beginning. We're going to do a little history lesson first and then go to some specific applications that Peter makes for the early Christian church. And so we go to Genesis 1 verse 27. And that is where uh, Moses is writing at the beginning. It's the first chapter of the Bible. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I, I love this. It, it, and we're going to go in a few more verses where it explains a little more of, of how God did this. But when God created male and female, Adam and Eve, they were both created in God's image, perfect and holy, without sin. And so as we look at this, where our value comes as we see women through God's eyes, that, that we see God's image, that, that we see men the same way, uh, made in the image of God, holy, pure, without sin. Of course, as we're in the book of Genesis, we can see that the, uh, they lost that image, or that image was tainted by sin. But that image has been restored through Jesus. That's what the whole story of the Bible is about, is about 
the, the plan that God set in place through the promise and ultimately through Jesus uh, to restore the image of God, that forgiveness of sins that we have through Jesus Christ. And so we see the status uh, that we have before God. And, and I want you to really separate those two things. The status I have, which is what God calls me, how God sees me, separate from the roles that I play in my life. And so we have the same status and yet there's the different uh, gender that he made them. He, God chose to make us male and female. And this has been uh, in my ministry, uh, the years of my ministry, uh, how different this has been from a number of years ago where this would have been very easy. Yeah, male and female, not a problem. But we spent 45 minutes on this the last time I, I went through it, just the male and female part of it. And I think this is important without getting into the whole gender and all the different things related to gender, that I, I would simply say that the mistake that many individuals make is that they look at this gender instead of their status with God and, and they try to find in gender meaning and purpose and worth and value that can only be found in what God has given us in his image and the restored image in Jesus Christ. And so the, for, for the purpose of our, our message just today is just to recognize that, that, that even now maybe my wife and I were talking about this, that the use of the new terminology of gender assigned at birth that this is not gender assigned at birth, this is gender assigned at creation, where God is saying male and female. And, and so find our worth and value in the status we have from God and not in these gender roles that he gives. A little bit later, we're gonna go through a couple through uh, verse one, uh, excuse me, chapter one, two, and three. And, and this is what it says, but for Adam, later on it says, no suitable helper was found. He took one of the man's ribs, this is God, and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman uh, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. And there's just a couple sections here. Number one is that it's this recognition that Adam was created first and then Eve, that no suitable helper was found. And now we start to, to see a, a little bit of, of what God had in mind when he created man and woman and, and how they were meant to live in a complementary way, not competing, but together as a suitable helper. And then the fact that woman was taken out of the man, this beautiful uh, picture of the closeness uh, that Adam and Eve had. And then the final one today, specifically for how do I see my value as a woman, um, is this recognition that Adam called her Eve, uh, which we're pretty sure means living, that, that she would be the, the mother of all the living. And I hope as you see this, that, that there is this, beautiful connection with, with different roles that they had as man and woman and yet the same status before God. And, and so they had these roles, but they were interdependent. 
And for sake of an illustration of this point, maybe we don't need to look any farther than God himself. That we know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is one God, and, and the Father, Son, and Spirit are equal. Uh, we could look at the Athanasian Creed that, that spells this out very clearly, that, that there is no hierarchy in the Godhead. You know, that we never hear the Holy Spirit saying, how come I always have to be named third? What's that all about? And yet, so they're the same God, and yet there are different roles in the Godhead. That, that when we say the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father, and, and we ascribe to him the making of heaven and earth, even though we know the Spirit and the Son were there. And then we look at Jesus, that, that Jesus going to the cross, Jesus becoming a, a human being for us, that we never hear this, hold it, hold it, Father. What kind of father are you if I'm the one who has to go to the, the world? And the Holy Spirit, uh, sometimes you, you could argue that the always maybe a little bit of an afterthought says, hold it now. What's in this for me? And, and the point is, is that we see in the Godhead working together without ego, in mutual love, in mutual purpose, all one God and yet three persons. And, and as we look at uh, the, the value that we have in each other as men and women, uh, that we see it the same way, that we go always go back to the status of God as we see our value and then whatever roles he has for us in our life, we are willing to play out. Now we go to 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter, we are going to get an application of this truth um, that's from creation. We're going to have an application of it for the early church. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And usually here at this point it is where it becomes a little bit of an issue where, where as you hear these words, the first word that women can hear is wives in the same way submit. Okay, so, so clearly wives in the same way. So if you were to say, in the same way as what? In the same way as who? That if you go back to 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, this is what it says. This is who he's telling women to be like. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for, his, live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. I find this interesting. When you look, there's a couple places in the Bible where men and women are told to be like Christ. That, that men are told, you know, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So in that way, um, that, that it's like men, that you are giving yourselves for your wives. But here it's saying wives, there's a submission part 
just like Jesus was submissive. He was submissive to the Father, that, that he recognized that the Father's plan for the salvation of all people uh, was, was a plan that was a good plan that he was part of, that, that included him giving his life. And what we recognize that as Jesus followed that plan, in Philippians chapter 2, we're told, for this reason God gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And so what we recognize is, is that Jesus showed incredible trust as he submitted himself not only to God, but to the government that put him to death. He submitted himself to the church that was there to worship him but did not. And in all of that, through that submission, that we know he did perfectly the work as our Savior. And what we recognize is that inside the church, in the different roles that God has given us, whether it be wives with their husbands, or, or even for us as we live under government or live under church or, or live under whatever rules that we do, that we recognize it's for the same purpose, that we are conscious of God, but ultimately the purpose of our lives and, and the purpose why God has us here is to give him praise, but also to take his gospel into the world. And so, uh, as I think about this, it makes me realize that submission was Jesus' superpower. It, it is what really, when, when you look at what he did in his life and how he did it, it was through submission, both to the Father and to others, putting himself underneath uh, for a bigger purpose. And that is what, that as we look at this, this is what God is, is telling us to do. But then he almost anticipates uh, or, or where you can go with this. And he says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. And I want to make it clear, he doesn't say that you shouldn't do any of these things. He's not saying you can't have nice clothes or you, you can't make yourself look nice. What he's saying is don't let your beauty come from that. And so, first of all, this, this is a message then directed as to men and specifically how men objectify women. And, and what I mean by objectify is that they look at them, instead of seeing them through God's eyes as, as God's holy, dearly loved child bought with the blood of Jesus, they look at themselves as objects that are to be used. It makes me think of Jesus when he was with the woman at the well of Samaria in John chapter 4, a woman who's on her sixth relationship, divorced five times. Men saw her as an object and they used her, but Jesus didn't. When he saw her, he saw something much different. And as we look at this, men objectify women. Everything from when Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart, to uh, pornography or, uh, I mean, you can go the whole gamut of prostitution, things like that, where women are treated as objects and even as cattle, however you want to say it. So it's saying men don't look at women this way, but also women don't look at yourselves that way. That, that as you look at where your beauty comes from, don't try to make that the, the, the way by which you are, are noticed or, or people think that you are beautiful. 
And so it's this encouragement to just ask the question, what is what I'm saying, or excuse me, what is what I'm wearing saying about me? What messages am, am I trying to send? Am I using this as a, as a weapon, as a, as a different way other than the submission that God is talking about? Or am I trying to, to use this so people see me in a different way? Now, as you think through that, the, the last words here, rather, he gives the positive, rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. If you are going to have your beauty come from the outside, it will fade. And maybe you've even seen that as people get older, especially women who uh, cons we consider beautiful, that have had different surgeries, things like that, where you're like, oh my goodness, that, that you look and you would say they're not beautiful anymore. But the beauty that God is talking about is, is one that doesn't fade, but over time, they're even more beautiful. The gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Their beauty comes from their trust in God, that they have hope in God. And a couple weeks ago, we had a message, what is hope? The confidence, the confident assurance that the best is yet to come. And so in the same way that Christ had a certain hope that, that his submission was worth it, that, that women do the same, not because they trust necessarily people, but because they trust God. And that is a beautiful thing. And then it translates as well into their lives. Uh, they submitted themselves not only to God, but then also to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And I think right now in, in the generation we, we are in, it's a time of being afraid. Uh, afraid as you look at what society demands of you, that, that the roles that they're casting, uh, whether it be roles that you would see on a movie screen or things that you see on TV that say this is the way that you should be as a woman. And the encouragement is to stop seeing yourself through the eyes of others. See yourself through God's eyes and then let your conduct and the roles that he has given you follow. The last words I, I want to share with you are just from Proverbs 1, 8, and 9. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are, garland of, uh, they are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And the final piece here is the beauty that is seen in our children through parents who share Christ with them. And it's saying the same thing. It's showing where, where is the ornamentation uh, and the beauty, how our kids can see themselves as, as beautiful. It comes when I see myself through God's eyes, beautiful in Jesus Christ, as the bride of Christ. And as they see that I don't depend on my roles or the approval of others to have a sense of worth and value in my life or a mom uh, to do that in hers, that it allows the freedom for our children to find their worth 
and their value in the same place. You know, as we, we look at this as a, as a Mother's Day uh, text, I, I can say thank you. Thank you to my mother. Uh, thank you to mothers out there for, for all that they have done to direct their children to Christ. And as you look at it one more time, that, it, that if in some ways you, you feel a failure of, of a mother or that you're a failure as a mother or, or have some things to work through, that's okay because you can go back to the status that you have as a dearly loved child of God forgiven through Jesus Christ and not let the roles that you have played haunt you uh, th throughout your life. But rather, as more and more you do that, recognizing that, you can also continue to share that with your children and others. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you made mankind in your image and that you restored that image through Jesus Christ. In your church, we all have a role to play. In marriage, husbands and wives have roles to play. Uh, Lord, help us to spend time alone with you, alone with your word, alone with these words, as we think about the implications for them, from anyone from a stay-at-home mother to, to someone who has a career uh, and has children as well. There are so many, and everyone in between, or those without children, or those who aren't mothers. So many different roles, Lord, but all of us the same value through Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that in his name. Amen. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.